This morning, we're kicking off a brand new teaching series here at Praxis Church called Uncertain. The reality is, is that oftentimes in life, we face circumstances and situations uh, that we never planned for. Uh, we didn't see them coming, but just out of the blue, uh, here we are, right? This happens so often. Um, we get that medical diagnosis or uh, we show up to work at one day, one day and everything's different or honestly the situation that we find ourselves in right now i was talking with a friend the other day and we were joking man it went at on new year's eve if you would have told me that just a couple months later uh, all this would happen right everything would be shut down there's no uh there's no sports being played and there's no churches meeting and everyone's being told who saw that coming right and yet here here we are uh what do we do in those uncertain times it's, uh, it tends to throw us for a loop, and honestly, uh, for, for many of us, for, for most of us, uh, it causes us to have some questions. Uh, in fact, oftentimes, in these uncertain times, there's a big question that we find ourselves asking, uh, both us as followers of Jesus, and even if you aren't a person who is a person of faith, so to speak, oftentimes you might even find yourself asking this same question, but we... We often find ourselves asking God, God, where are you in this? Where are you in this? This does not seem to make sense. And the things that I know about you, about your goodness and about how you care for people and uh, some of this stuff doesn't seem to make sense. What is going on here? Um, and oftentimes when we have that thought, we, we tend to think that maybe we're wrong for having that thought or we're the only person that's ever had that thought. but. Um, the reality is, is that, that all of us at some point uh, find ourselves in that kind of a situation where we're saying, God, God, where are you in this? I remember when I was 25 years old, I was, uh, so many things were going awesome in my life. In fact, one of the greatest things um, that had happened, the greatest thing that had happened in my life up to that point is I had just proposed to the girl of my dreams. I had just uh, put a, a ring on Nikki's finger and, uh, and and she said yes, lo and behold. And I was so excited. I felt like I'd won the lottery. And, uh, and yet, uh, f just a few months later, I went into a doctor's appointment because I wasn't feeling so well and the doctor ordered some blood work and they took some blood and uh, I remember it was a Friday night and uh, I went and hung out with friends and I got in very late at night and uh, I got into bed around midnight and around 3 a.m. I was awakened by a phone call and um, I normally don't leave my phone on but it was right there next to me and it was ringing. I'm like, who's calling me at 3 a.m.? And so I picked up the phone and on the other end, I heard an exasperated voice. Uh, a voice of somebody who I did not know. I did not recognize her voice, but this woman on the other end, she said, she said, is this Brian Ayers? I said, yes, uh, it's, it's, it's me. And she says, oh my God, I'm so, I'm so glad you're alive. Uh, she says, I'm the technician who's doing your blood work and uh, what I see in your blood work right now, I don't understand how you're alive. She's like, you better get in the car and, uh, and get to the hospital or have somebody drive you to the hospital. Um, if you don't do that, I'm sending an ambulance right now. So I find myself in the hospital um, and, uh, and the doctors can't figure out what's going on. And I remember in that moment, uh, I'm 25 years old, I've just gotten engaged and uh, yet I'm 
laying in a hospital bed. The doctors don't know what's going on. A lady on the phone's telling me, uh, I can't believe you're alive. Your blood work says you should be dead. And I'm thinking in that moment, God, where are you in this? What, what, what is going on here? Right? We all have those times in our lives. In fact, if you're watching here at home right now, uh, if you're following along with us, there, there's a little heart button uh, down there at the bottom of the screen. I would encourage you, if you've ever asked that question, why don't, you, why don't you tap that heart button? I think a lot of us have experienced that and have found ourselves asking that question. And as we go through this series over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at the stories of some characters that we find in Scripture um, who also faced circumstances and situations that had them thinking, God, where are you in this? And I think that we can learn so much from the way that they responded in those moments. Some of them will learn from the good things they did in those moments, and some of them we will learn from perhaps the mistakes or the shortcomings or the wrong things that they did in those moments. But I think that as we go through this series that you'll be inspired and that your faith will be built. Because here's the thing that I believe is true for all of us. I believe that all of us, we want the, we want it to be true that the circumstances around us uh, would never weaken the faith that's in us. We don't want the circumstances around us to weaken the faith that is in us. We wanna have a faith uh, that is strong enough that even when things are going crazy all around us, even when, even when things seem so uncertain, that we would have a confidence and a steadfast hope and trust in God, a, a, a trust in Jesus through those moments. You know, even if you're not a person of faith, I think most of us have a desire. We want there to be an inner strength to us uh, that we wouldn't fall apart when things get uncertain around us. And, you know, I think that we can try to find that kind of a strength in all kinds of different places. But I believe that the only true strength that we can find in those moments, the only real uh, faithful uh, place for us to place our hope is in Jesus Christ. And we're going to begin looking at that here uh, as we continue through this series and as we jump into the passage of Scripture that we're going to be looking at today. But as we jump into things, I want to read from Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 37. I love what it says. It says, what shall we say to all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died, and more than that, was raised, who is now at the right hand of God and who is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, shall disease, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword? No, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I love this scripture for so many reasons, and there's so much that we could dive into there. But I love the reminder that no matter what we're facing, no matter how uncertain the times are, Right? They're listing off, the writer of Romans there is listing off some serious things, distress and famine and nakedness and people attacking you with sores. Those, that's some real, those are some real tough times. That's some real uncertainty. And yet, the writer of, of Romans is reminding us something that we need to be reminded of ourselves there is that in all these things, 
no matter what we're facing, no matter how uncertain the times, God is faithful. Jesus is there beside us. Jesus is for us, not against us, as we were singing this morning. And we can trust and have a confidence in that. So what do we do when we find ourselves in these moments where we're saying, God, where are you? Where are you in this? Today, I want to take a look at a section of scripture where we find, uh, where we find some people who are asking exactly that question. I want us to look in the Old Testament, uh, in the book of 1 Samuel. Uh, the book of 1 Samuel, uh, along with, with much of the Old Testament, tells the story tells the story of the children of Israel, God's chosen people. And, and this, this group in the Old Testament, uh, they have a, an incredible, some incredible promises uh, that God's given to them. They've been given promises about a promised land that they're supposed to inhabit, but the biggest promise that they have been given is that through them, uh, through, through that nation, God is going to bring the Messiah He's going to bring Jesus into this world, and through the Messiah, the whole world is going to be blessed. That's an incredible promise, and it's an incredible promise of longevity because God is going to preserve them so the Messiah can come through them. And so it's an incredible promise. And yet, so often as we read through the Old Testament, there seems to be so many times where it looks like that promise might not come to pass. It looks like the circumstances, they're so uncertain, the circumstances look like that might never happen. And we find ourselves in exactly one of those moments in the story that we're going to look at today in 1 Samuel chapter 13 and 14. So I want to set the scene for us. We don't have time to read both of those chapters in full. Uh, if, if you are looking for something to do this week, you can go there and read uh, through those. But what we find ourselves in this situation, what we see in 1 Samuel chapter 13, is that uh, the, the nation of Israel um, that has all these promises from God, they, uh, they don't look like they are inhabiting those promises. In fact, things look pretty bleak for them. Uh, they have a king named Saul, the, the, first, the first king of Israel, and he is supposed to be leading the children of Israel, and, uh, and yet, uh, yet things are looking really bad. They, as, we, as we pick up this story, they are surrounded by armies uh, of, a na of, of the Philistines, and this Philistine nation is, is oppressing them. In fact, the Philistine nation at this point has already made it so that, the, so that Israel uh, can't have any blacksmiths. They don't want Israel to have any blacksmiths because they don't want Israel to be able to make any weapons uh, because they want to oppress them and they don't want them to be able to fight back. And they're successfully doing that. And so when we pick up the story, uh, we, find, we find King Saul and he's down in a valley uh, with his army and with his son, Jonathan. And, uh, and in this moment, they're surrounded on every side by armies of the Philistines. The armies of the Philistines have weapons. And we find out in Scripture that, that, that Israel, even though there's a few hundred of them down there, they only have two swords. King Saul has a sword and Jonathan has a sword. And there's armies all around them that have powerful weaponry. That's a pretty terrible situation to find yourselves in. And, and, and in that moment, um, we, we see them asking that question, God, where are you in this? In fact, as we pick it up in chapter 14, verse 1, um, we, 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 start to see, we start to see another question that gets asked. Um, and I, I want us to read 
So, so, so that's the, the scene that's taking place. In this scene, as they're down there in that valley, uh, we pick up in chapter 14, verse 1. It says, One day Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to his young armor-bearer, Come, let us go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. And he did not tell his father. Now Saul, the king, right? He's supposed to be leading the armies, the, the powerful king of Israel. Uh, he is, he is in, in Gibresh, and he is under a pomegranate tree. Uh, with him are about 600 men. Um, and and, and along, with, along with those 600 men of the, that are in the army, he also has priests with them, right? So he's got the army and he's got the priests that are supposed, to, are supposed to pray and ask for God's blessing, right? So he's got military power, even though they don't have swords, and he has the, the guys who are supposed to be able to cry out and ask for God's favor. And yet, where do we find Saul? Uh, Saul, is, Saul is, is laying down underneath a pomegranate tree. He has, he has given up, he's discouraged. The situation around him looks so incredibly bleak. But what I love is, is in this story, we see Jonathan. Jonathan seems to be asking a little bit of a different question, right? While Saul, while Saul is laying under that tree saying, God, where are you in this? Jonathan, Jonathan's asking a different question. In fact, and in fact, I believe Jonathan's asking a question that we often need to ask ourselves when we're tempted to say, God, where are you in this? Jonathan is asking the question, God, what part do I play in this? And you see, Jonathan's not content to just stay there in the valley and allow the armies to overtake them. Jonathan decides that he's going to do something about it. And so he says to his armor bearer, hey, let's go do something about this situation. And as we as we continue on, it talks about how they, they came to this pass um, and, and it said they were going to the Philistine outpost that is up on a cliff up on a cliff, and Jonathan in verse 6 says to his young armor bearer, come, let us go over to the outpost, and uh, perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. I love this statement of confidence that Jonathan makes. He says, you know what? God can save by having a vast army, or you know what? God can do a whole lot with very little. It's such a theme that we find in, in, throughout Scripture and a, a theme that Jesus demonstrates so many times throughout his ministry. Uh, but Jonathan understands this. He says, you know what? God's not dependent on what I have uh, to, to, to make things happen. God can do a whole lot with a very little. That's such a great reminder for us as we so often we can sit back and not do anything. We say, you know what, if I had more finances, then I could do something. Man, if I had more talent, then maybe I could do something. If I had more time, maybe I could do something. But so often what God's asking us for and it, what God always is asking us for is not for the things that we don't have, but he's asking us to be faithful with the things that we do have. And Jonathan understands this principle, and so he's going up to this outpost. I love how in verse 7, how his armor-bearer responds. He says, he says, go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. In verse 8, then it says, Jonathan says, come over then, we will cross over uh, towards them and let them see us. Right? This is an interesting battle plan. He's going he's gonna to not sneak up on them, but he's going to let them see him coming. Right? And he says, if they say to us, wait there, we will come to you. Uh, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands, right? So he felt very confident that God was gonna, God was gonna show them what to do in this situation. And, 
in, uh, in verse 11. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistines. The Philistines said, look, uh, uh, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes that they're hiding in. Uh, the men at the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we will teach you a lesson. So Jonathan and his young armor bearer, uh, so Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. So Jonathan climbed up using his hands and his feet with his armor bearer right behind him. And the Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about a half an acre. Then panic struck the whole army, those in the camp and in the field, and those in the outposts and in the raiding parties, and the ground shook. It was a panic that was set by God. So Jonathan demonstrates, Jonathan, I believe here, demonstrates, uh, he, he asked that question that all of us should ask, God, what is my role in this? Uh, not just asking the question, God, where are you in this? But God, what would you have me to do in this? You see, when we find ourselves in uncertain times, um, we're, we are tempted to get stuck. We, we're tempted to stop asking, when we ask the question, God, where are you in this? And we stop there. I would encourage us to go one step further. Yes, ask God, where are you in this? Look for God in this. But we also have to ask that second question. God, what is my role in this? God, I can't do everything, but I probably can do something. What would you have me to do in this situation? And Jonathan also demonstrates two mindsets here that I believe that God would want for us to adopt. You see, first, I think that he demonstrates a holy responsibility. You see, Jonathan, Jonathan believes uh, in this situation, you know what, I can't, I can't do all of this. Like, I'm going to need God to intervene. I'm going to need God to do a miracle. Uh, but I do have a sword, and I can climb up there. And so I'm going to, maybe God will save us. Maybe, maybe something great will happen, right? He demonstrates a holy responsibility. Brian, what's a holy, what's a holy responsibility? A holy responsibility is when we live like God has equipped us. I want to encourage you today that whether you believe it or not, God has equipped you to do something. I believe that God has given each one of us gifts and talents and abilities. He's given each one of us resources, and he's given us those things so that we can make a difference in the world around us. And I want to encourage you right now that even though we are in uncertain times, we are always in a season where God is calling you to make a difference. It might seem like a small difference, but you can make a difference in the world around you. I would encourage you, I can't tell you what that is for you, but I would encourage you to ask that question that Jonathan asked. Bring that before God in prayer. God, what would you have me to do in this situation? And then begin to look around for those opportunities to make a difference. You know, I read a quote this week that really convicted me from the, from the uh, philosopher, from the, 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 uh, the Bible expositor, uh, Matthew Henry. He says this, he says, Many will consult God about their safety who would never consult him about their duty. You know, so often in uncertain seasons, we pray, God, protect me. God, keep me safe. Uh, God, keep my family safe. And those are wonderful prayers. And we should pray those prayers. But often we stop there. And what Matthew Henry is calling out here is that, is that that's not all that God intends us to pray. He doesn't, just pray. he doesn't just encourage us to pray for our safety, but we also should consult him about our duty. God, what would you have me to do in this situation? Yes, God, keep me safe, but what would you have me to do in this situation? I wanna encourage you this morning that Jesus did not give his life just so you could be safe. 
the the purpose of Christianity is not for you just to to arrive safely at death. You know, you in this life, Jesus came so that you could be a part of when we pray that prayer, when we pray, Father. Uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're supposed to be a part of that, of bringing heaven here to earth. We have a duty and a responsibility there, and we have a role to play in that. So I want to encourage us this week to consider, to consider what that holy responsibility is. You know, I, I, in thinking about this, I think about the story where Jesus feeds the 5,000. Now, he feeds 5,000 men. There's also women and children there. So he potentially fed eight to 10,000 people in that miracle. But how did he feed? How did he feed that, that, that huge gathering of people? Um, well, he fed that huge gathering of people, if you remember the story, with, with a lunch that a little boy had, uh, a couple fish and, and five crackers. Uh, he fed that entire crowd with that. The reality is, is that so often, um, you know, if Jesus comes to us and says, hey, I want to feed 8,000 people, uh, if he came to me and said, Brian, I want to feed 8,000 people, you know what I would do? I would start, I would start, I would start praying for maybe 10 to 12,000 sandwiches, right? Because I want everybody to get one and maybe some people want seconds, right? I'd be, I'd be praying for, I'd be praying for some sandwiches, right? But so often, and in this miracle, Jesus takes the little that's there and he multiplies it. I want to encourage us that, that so often we don't take the holy responsibility that we're supposed to have because we're convinced that we don't have enough. We don't think that our talent's enough. We don't think that our ability is enough. We don't think that we have enough time. We don't think. But what Jesus asks us to do is to take the little that we do have and place it into his hands. To do, to do what we can with what we have and amazing things happen in that moment right so often we want us to we want god to equip us so that we have more than we need to get the job done but so often so often we 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 can't do it all we just have a little the second mindset that we see that jonathan demonstrates here we see that he demonstrates that 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 holy that holy responsibility but we also see we also see that he demonstrates a holy anticipation What's a holy anticipation? Oh, it's when we follow God like he is for us. When we believe, as, jo as Jonathan did as he was climbing up that tower, that God can save by many or God can save by few, but the reality is, is that God is a saving God, that God's gonna intervene, that God is for me, he's not against me, that God is gonna show up on my behalf, that God is going to do the things that he promised, that he's not going to turn his back, that he's not, that he is, that he is indeed faithful, right? A holy anticipation. I want to ask you today, what are you anticipating? You see, so often in uncertain times, um, our anticipation turns in the wrong direction. And we begin to not just think about the, think about and, and plan uh, for, for the good things that could happen, but we can turn and we can begin to anticipate only negative things. And it's good for us to, to, to we don't want to be Pollyanna or to, or to only, you know, to, 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 to just uh, pretend to be happy or pretend like things are just going to be wonderful uh, because we know life is hard and difficult things do happen. But are we anticipating the goodness of God showing up in our lives? 
or are we anticipating only negative things happening? You see, the reality is, is that for, for the follower of Jesus, we can always say in every circumstance, in every situation, we can declare with boldness that the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. The best is always yet to come, no matter what uncertainty we find ourselves in. Well, Brian, how can you say that, that we've got so many crazy things happening? Listen, God is for us. As we read that scripture earlier, he did not spare his own son, but he gave him up for us. And then he defeated death on our behalf. The best is yet to come. I love what, what, what Philippians 1 Chapter, uh, chapter 1, verses 21 says, it, it, the, the, when Paul here is writing, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Philippi, he reminds them this, he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Well, what's Paul saying there? Paul's reminding the church in Philippi there, he says, you know what, guys, even if they took my life from me, Oh, you know what? I get to be with Jesus. So he's, so he's saying, you know what? Even if I lose my life, the best is yet to come. But you know what? That's how much God is for me. I want to ask you a question. Where has your holy anticipation turned into hesitation? You see, so often in times of uncertainty, our holy anticipation uh, becomes, in, in, becomes hesitation. Uh, we tend to sit back and we tend to wait and see right? Where has my expectancy turned into exasperation? Where has my confidence turned into cowardness? Where has my determination turned into discouragement? Where has my faith turned into doubt? I want to encourage us today that, that even as we face uncertain times, we can't anticipate, we can't anticipate the goodness of God in our lives. He is faithful. I'm reminded of, of Psalm chapter 23, where, where David is describing God as a shepherd that leads us. And in that Psalm, he talks about how God leads us beside still waters and how he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies and how he anoints our head with oil and our cup overflows and says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But we also sometimes walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Sometimes we walk through some dark seasons. But you know what? Who's leading us through those dark seasons? Well, that same good shepherd that led us beside the still waters is leading us through the valley. And so as we go through uncertain times, it's it's important for us to remember the same shepherd that was with us on the mountaintop is with us in the valley the same shepherd that was with us in the green pastures and by the still waters is with us in the valley and we can anticipate that he will lead us out on the other side and that the best is yet to come i want to encourage some of us today that you have a holy responsibility just like jonathan did you have a holy responsibility to pick a fight you see, so often we can take things lying down. We can take things sitting down. And yet God has, has, not, has not given us a spirit of defeat, but he's given us a spirit of victory. We can take some ground for him. And even in this season, even in a season as uncertain as the one we're facing right now, we can charge forward. We can, we can advance. We can take ground. Right? I love what Dr. Warren Worsby says, he says, the believer needs to enter each new day, realizing that God is for him. There is no need to fear, 
for our loving Father desires only the best for his children, even if we must go tr through trials to receive his best. Oh, it's so true that we have to go through trials. All of us go through trials to receive God's best, but for us to approach each new day knowing that God is for us and not fearing what is, what is around us. Romans 8, 3, 8 uh, 37 says this, Know in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. Church, I want to, I want to remind us today that we are uh, right now, in it, many times in life, we face uncertainty in our lives. But I want to encourage you, you are not facing that uncertainty alone. You have a God in Jesus who is leading you through this time. And he's given you, he's given you the ability to have these two incredible mindsets, to have the mindset of a holy responsibility. God, what would you have me to do in this season? and also a holy anticipation that God's not left you alone, but he's going to show up and he's going to be strong on your behalf. I want to ask you today, are you believing those things to be true? As you go into this next week, I hope that you would adopt those mindsets and that you would make them your own. I want to pray for us this morning. Father, we thank you for who you are, and we thank you for uh, your faithfulness in our lives. And Lord, even though we face uncertainty, around us right now. Lord, we thank you that you are the same as you have always been. And Lord, you are for us and you will lead us through this time. And Lord, I pray that you would give us the strength to look to you and ask the question, God, what would you have me to do in this situation? And that as we take steps in that direction, Lord, that we would fully anticipate that you're gonna show up on our behalf. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. I also want to speak to some of us today. Maybe you're walking through this season and you're realizing that you don't have that good shepherd leading you, that you've been trying to lead yourself uh, or you've allowed uh, somebody else or some way of thinking to try and lead you through this, but you haven't accepted God's leadership. You haven't been following Jesus through life. I want to encourage you that today you can make a decision uh, to begin following Jesus. You can make that decision to accept Jesus's leadership in your life. In fact, if you would like to do that today, if you've been listening to this and something's stirred in your spirit and you're ready to make that decision, there's a little button down there where you can where you can raise your hand and, and say, hey, that's me. And uh, I would invite you to do that. Uh, but I would also invite you to fill out our digital connect card there. There's a link there. And if you fill that out and tell us, hey, I've decided to follow Jesus. We'd love to send you some information that would help you to take some next steps and to begin to grow in your faith. We would love to follow up with you and celebrate that decision with you. Family, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for being a part of this. Uh, we are in this unprecedented season, but here's what I know. We are going to come out of this on the other side, and the best is yet to come. What has always been does not always have to be because of what Jesus has done for us. I hope that you have a fantastic week and I pray that God will bless you and that he would keep you. He would cause his face to shine upon you and that he would be with us in our going and that he would keep us until we meet again next week online, Sunday at 10 o'clock. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you next week.